and welcome to a Square State Sandlot. I am your host, Bill Montoya. I've got my lovely co-host, Kyle Gilmore, joining me. He's uh, weathering the storm, so to speak, up there in the great frozen northeast. <laughs> northeast for yeah, me, buddy. at least. Uh, first of all, I just yeah. wanted to wish you guys a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, whatever you guys celebrate. Happy, happy holiday season to you. Um, Kyle, you got anything to add to that? No, just uh, enjoy your holidays and, and be safe. Yes, especially where you're Other at. That, you know, I... The roads are... Yeah, uh, the weather's been unreal. Yeah, it's crazy. I've seen <clears throat> so many memes the last couple of days of the wind chill up there in Wyoming, and I think Lusk was negative yeah. 70 tonight, so pretty impressive. Pretty impressive cold. I don't miss that. Yeah, good times. I do miss Wyoming a lot, and that is one thing I do not miss is the winter, so... <laughs> But we'll we'll get right into it. And speaking of Wyoming, uh, I don't know if you paid any attention to the signing class they had. Uh, it was early signing day today, yesterday. I can't remember. Um, the days are all running together at this point. But looks like they had a decent signing class. I think <laughs> yeah. they're picked anywhere from six to tenth in the Mountain West. So if you're the sixth best signing class, that's pretty decent. If you're the tenth, well, then maybe that's not so good. So I guess we'll that's see. Um, I know, obviously, this is just the early portion of the of the transfer portal uh, and then the commits from the high school. So I know Bull has mentioned that he is going to be a little more proactive in the transfer portal this year because last year they pretty much ignored it other than um, getting Peasley from Utah State. I think there was a couple others that they picked up, but for the most part, they neglected it. And I think he's come to the realization that if he's going to be a uh, group of five team and wants to stay competitive, he's going to have to utilize it to stay up with the time. So, um, your overall thoughts, I don't know if you paid much attention to it. Um, I mean, it's obviously too early to tell what kind of a difference it'll make for the team, but, uh, I think that was the biggest thing I took away from is that I was, I enjoyed how many, I mean, I was following posts, um, as far as who they were snagging. Um, I would say that's probably the biggest thing that I took away from it is I was just happy to see us actually doing something. Um, yeah. Uh, being active. I mean, to, to a degree, especially in college, when you recruit, it's almost a shotgun method. Only a handful are going to land. Um, but you have to be making those moves for any of them to land. So I don't know. I'm, I'm happy to see that we at least have some movement going on and hopefully it translates to some wins. Yeah, and of their signing class, these are just the high school seniors that they signed right. um, and got commitments from. It it seems like probably of all of them, only the defensive linemen are going to start immediately with all the guys they had leaving the program. Um, I noticed they didn't get any wide receiver commits, which is not surprising at all. <laughs> yeah, uh, weird. They did get a plug-and-play running back from Northern Illinois, um, he, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he transferred in. Uh, he actually played really well against Wyoming. I think it was last year when they faced him. I think he had 128 rushing yards and two touchdowns or something like that. So pretty impressive outing that obviously left a good uh, impression on the Wyoming program. And Craig Bull, I mean, if, if he's going to recruit anyone, I, I assume it's going to be running backs. <laughs> Well, I guess he's pretty good at turning in, in mean, defensive people as well. But 
not shocked they didn't get a wide receiver in that initial recruiting class. So, um, no, not at all. Hopefully, I know they had a couple visits from one of the guys from Colorado State actually visited that was a, a wide receiver, and he was probably one of their top options at Colorado State. So, not that I really want someone that was on the sheep's the sheep to come over to our program. Better us than them. <laughs> yeah, I guess if he's going to contribute, then we'll we'll take it. So. Uh, moving on from the Wyoming program, I guess I should mention their basketball team is mightily struggling right now. Uh, I think they're five and seven, five and eight, something like that, which everyone is expecting this team to be, you know, just off the charts. And obviously losing Graham E.K. right before the start of the season is killing them. Um, so we'll see what they can do. I think being without him at the beginning, assuming they get him back towards the end, is going to get bring them a huge boost and they can learn to build out these rotations and whatnot without him. And then obviously, like I said, if, if they can add him back to the, to the mix, then I think it'll bring good things later on in the season. So with that being said, uh, do you want to do Steelers first or do you want me to go into the Raiders? Um, yeah. I mean, we can do a quick touch on last week's games, just kind yep. of our thoughts and we can dive into what's, what's important this week. Yes. Um, I can start with mine. Okay. Steelers played the Panthers this past week. Um, I mean, I think the media made a lot out of nothing out of a lot that had to do with this game, obviously Pickett being out with the concussion. Um, Mitch Trubisky got the start and we won the game, but the Panthers are a mess. Um, I don't, I mean, there were people that, you know, of course, media doing what media does. I mean, there were storylines that, you know, is there a controversy now that Mitch came in and won a game? And absolutely not. Um, Kenny will be back starting this week, but it was good to get a win. Obviously we're four and zero against the <laughs> NFC South for what that, for what that matters. Um, but the, the biggest thing four, is four wins right there. Apparently, um, I mean, it, it was a good outing. We we had some we had some positive things happen. I hope that it translates into some momentum into this week. But as far as you know, Mitch beating the Panthers, I don't think it changed the situation in the quarterback room at all. Right. Um, and I'll and I'll dive into that. But you know, Kenny will be back this week, and I'm glad. So, well, I'll let you talk about your Raiders. I will just say to add to that, the the Panthers are good on defense. So. Having that showing by Mitch was was pretty impressive, but if you if you just compare the seasons that both quarterbacks have put up for the entirety of the season, I mean it's no contest. Kenny Pickett's been the better quarterback all season long. So if if he's healthy enough to play, and it sounds like he is for the Raiders game, I, I expect him to be in there. And I don't know what to expect in that game, but I'll, I'll just touch on the Raiders game against the Patriots because <laughs> it had one of the most memorable. Uh, finishes to a NFL game that I, I remember seeing. So my Lord, um, I guess a couple notes from it. They did get, they did activate uh, Waller and Renfro right before that game against the Patriots. So um, my, my question is what, what kind of impact are they going to have going forward? Uh, they were both on snap counts essentially where they were very limited working them back into the game. So Waller did have a big catch where they had one of the few possessions where, uh, the Patriots played man-to-man coverage against them, and they sucked all the safety help over to Devontae, and basically 
Waller just had to run past the linebacker, and that's what he did. Uh, free release to the end zone, essentially. So good pass by Carr. Um, obviously took the lead. I think that put them up. I can't remember if that was their first touchdown or the second one. I think it was the first. So that put them up 10 to nothing or 10 to 3. Um, so good to see Waller get back into the action. I Basically, they didn't have either Renfro or Waller for the entire third quarter, and the offense went super stagnant. We also had the offensive line banged up again in the middle of that game. So I think that was part of the reason for the, the offense going quiet until basically the very last drive of the of the second half. Um, so we blew another giant lead. We were up 17-3 to at halftime, and Patriots end up coming back all the way, taking the lead 24-17. to um, So, yeah, all those points unanswered. And then... Fortunately, we we have the pass on that last drive to Keelan Cole, and everyone, I don't know, I'm friends with a lot of Patriots fans, my brother-in-law's a Patriots fan, so it seemed like when they called that a touchdown and then didn't reverse it, that there was going to be some people complaining based on the angles that we had from the broadcast, but the day later, they there was a couple people in the stands actually recording that play. And it's quite clear that he got both feet in and, and they made the call, right. And I think they made the call basically just not to overturn it. Because if you look at the footage they had, I don't know why it looked so awful, but it looked like it was recorded in 720p from above. And you couldn't really make out where his foot actually was in relation to the line. So if they would have overturned that, I would have been pissed, obviously, especially having, hindsight and and seeing that the foot was actually in there but to overturn it when you can't even really tell where his foot's at on that replay I would have been very upset and obviously like I said I'm friends with Patriots fans so I know they were pretty upset about it initially Uh, since I've been sharing the picture and video of it touching down they've they've kind of dropped the Uh. dropped the poor woe is me Um, but anyway so they did that, and then the very last play of the game, Patriots inexplicably wow. run a – well, they run a draw play. Looks like they're probably just trying to run out the clock. There was three seconds left, I think. Um, Stevenson has a hell of a run. I mean, he no one could tackle him on our defense all game. So uh, it wasn't surprising to see him get all the way down the field. And quite honestly, if, I think if he just keeps trying to go for it, he either runs out of bounds or doesn't get tackled. Maybe he runs in for a touchdown because no one on our team seemed interested just, in tackling uh, him. So anyway, he hands it off to, um, who was it, Myers? Nelson? I don't remember who is, what I'm his name is. I'm not even sure. But anyway, um, he decides to start running it backwards and then chuck it up to Mac Jones clear 30 yards back. It's intercepted by Chandler Jones, who we we've talked about him several times. He's been playing a lot better in the last couple of games, but in the first part of the season, he's fully absent, uh, picks it off, absolutely truck sticks and stiff arms, Mac Jones into the crust of the earth and then runs untouched into the end zone after that. So it was, uh, quite the finish I don't know I mean it it seemed like Stevenson forgot that they were tied and not losing that's when you start to see a lot of those lateral plays but I'm all for going for the win but that play happens when you're down yep (laughs) Benny just said Jacoby Myers so um there we go nice 
Yep. Thanks for the assist. And yeah, I, I don't know, man. It was just, it's as a Raiders fan, seeing how many times we've screwed up in situations like that and it's cost us ball games. It's, it's just nice to be on the other end of that for once. So I was losing my mind. Oh yeah. Like I had already been like, okay, we're going to go to overtime and lose because our offense has been completely missing the entire second half, but didn't even Such have a to. Horrible way to lose a game. Oh, I Such can't even imagine. Way to lose a game. And we'll get into other horrible ways to lose the game here in just a few minutes. But uh, <laughs> I think yeah, that's all I really had, indeed. other than mentioning, like I said, Bars still banged up. I think he's probably going to play in this game against Pittsburgh. So that gives me a little more confidence. We ended up playing two guards that we picked up off of practice squads from. Or I guess one was on the unemployment line and the other one was on the Broncos practice squad. Uh, and that was because they released Lester Cotton Sr. And it really frustrated me seeing this because they gave him all the first team reps in the offseason and yeah. didn't sign a veteran that has played the position before. So you, you, you would think even if you're confident in Lester Cotton, you still want to sign a veteran to have as a backup in case of a situation like this. And instead, they, you know, give Alex Leatherwood all the, the first-team reps, give uh, Lester Cotton all the first-team reps, and now neither of them are on the team, and we're, we're struggling to, to uh, put together an offensive line, especially barring injuries. I mean, it's almost like they didn't take into account that injuries could happen to their offensive line. So, um, Weird. yeah, it, it is, I mean, we were pounding the table all offseason saying both of our teams need to address the offensive line, and... Yours is staying pretty, pretty healthy for the most so part. Far, yeah, you know, ours was up until the last couple of weeks, and now we're getting all these injuries, and it's like, well, I guess we'll just roll someone out there. But um, with that being said, let's jump into the matchup of the week for us. Season, probably really. not for <laughs> <laughs> probably not for America, but this is the fiftieth yeah, well, anniversary of the Immaculate Deception, also known as the Immaculate Reception. Oh, um, very nice. And obviously this is... I wish it would have come a week earlier because I'll, I'll let know. you share the news of, of your longtime great. Um, yeah, bef before we dive into the game, um, so what Bill's obviously alluding to is they obviously were making a big deal about this being the 50, uh, 50th anniversary um, the game's going to be unreal uh, in Pittsburgh. Big event, already planned on it. Um, you know, they were uh, being set to honor, honor Franco Harris, and unfortunately he uh, he passed away this week. Um, I mean, it's just gut-wrenching um, to celebrate this moment for someone like him who is, for all intents and purposes, you might say he was the most important pickup the Steelers have ever made. Um, yep. And most of that players on the, on those seventies team would agree. Um, I mean, that's, that's me and Joe Green's words exactly that uh, Franco is the catalyst for those teams. I mean, there's, he's so important to the steel city. Um, ah, it's just heartbreaking, man. I, this is something I was looking forward to at one point in time. I was trying to figure out a way to make it work that I could go to this game. Um, you know, for him and his family, I just, like you said, I wish it could have been a week earlier. Um, man, I don't know. It's, uh, I saw a thing today that was really touching. Um, for those of you that don't know, 
They have a um, wax Franco Harris at the airport there in Pittsburgh, as well as at the Heinz Museum. But um, people in passing, unprompted, you know, not planned, have been um, dropping their terrible towels and leaving notes on the um, base of the wax um, figure. It's just he's very special to that fan base, obviously. I mean, Franco's Italian army. I mean, all that stuff. It was, you know, he 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 was more than just a player for sure. And it's just it's not going to be the same um, without him there. It's it it it's just depressing, really. I mean, it's it's something we were so excited to see him being honored. And Bill and I talked a little bit off air about this that. Uh, um, we, we just hate that they these players are honored so late in their life because this is a real possibility for a lot of players that they yeah. may never get to see these these honors or um, I mean how many how many times have we seen it with the Hall of Fame that they're you know they're they're finally put in you know years after they've passed away or they pass away and that's what prompts them so um, I mean I'll get off my soapbox a little bit but I just it, it's very I feel robbed almost that for this 50th anniversary that, uh, you know, Franco can't be there. I'm sure his family will be there. I'm sure that sure they'll be part of the ceremony. Um, I'm sure a lot of the old players will be there and it'll still be very special, but it's just for him to miss it by less than a week, you know, passing away is just gut wrenching. Um, I don't know. It just, he's one of them special people. I, I, I wish it had gone down differently, but um, I look forward to him honoring him and, uh, you know, obviously hope hope the Steelers honor him with their gameplay as well. Yeah, and a lot of the – even a lot of the uh, Raiders greats from that, that team that they played yeah. against are flying in for this. So Phil Villapiano is one of Franco Harris's great friends that. that obviously played against him. He's in town, uh, and he said, obviously, I was – set to I had all these commitments to be here with with Franco and I'm going to honor them but it's just not the same with him missing and I mean I I've, neither of us were alive to even see this these games live uh, my dad did mention that he was so pissed watching this game but he did say rest in peace to Franco Harris one of the best on and off the field so uh, I think that's I mean the sentiment uh, from everyone. I mean, the Raiders and, and Steelers had so much respect because they were going up against each other all the time in, in the seventies and eighties. Um, and yeah, they, I mean, they put together a, a whole video series building up to this, to this game and our side of the story and all that interviewing the old guys, interviewing some of the, the Steelers greats. And it, it was really well done. It, you can find that on the, the Raiders YouTube channel, I'm going to go back and watch it again t t probably later today, maybe tomorrow before the game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this kind of minimizes the, the game on the field because now it's Big more time. of a memorial than um, what it was supposed to be, a celebration. So that that really sucks. And like Kyle said, it just pisses me off when things like this happen because most, or most NFL players from that era – I mean, they got absolutely beat to dog piss, and ma them making it to—I mean, he died at 72. Them making it to 70 is not even close to a given. So, it's frustrating that 
and I'm not, you know, faulting the the Steelers. I, I think it probably should have been done maybe on the 25th anniversary, maybe the 40th, 30th. I mean, they've had plenty of opportunities to do this, and I know Art Rooney loves the guy. Um, oh yeah. So sure. I I don't think it's a lack of you know respect or anything like that. Just probably poor planning, and I think hopefully some of these things especially the NFL, it will steer them to honor these guys while they're still around, hopefully. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, let's get get to the game now. Um, how are you feeling about this? I, I want to ask you how you think the Steelers can win, and then I'll tell you how I think the, the Raiders can win. Are you expecting a high-scoring high affair, anything I'm thinking both of us are going to put up around 20 points, give or take whoever wins. Um, so we, we've joked about this all season that we're kind of this mirror image of each other. We've had the same problems. Um, you know, it, it's just, it's, it's uncanny how similar things have been for us. So, I mean, there it's, it's not any secret, I guess the keys to both of us winning and both of us losing this game. Um, for me, in my opinion, I think it all starts with the run game on both sides of this. We have to get the run game going with Najee, and we have to keep Brandon Jacobs from getting going. I think whoever is able to do that, um, you know, and, and respect each team, I think that's who's going to win. I think the passing game is going to be there. Um, yes, there's things like, you know, we got to limit Devontae Adams, but there's only so much you're going to limit. He's going to have some big plays. You just got to cut it down to like one or two. Um, <laughs> nice. Um, I And I guess the same thing would be there for, say, Pickens. He seems to have one ridiculous catch a game now. Um, it's just everything is so similar that that's – anything I can say for the Steelers, I would say, is the the, the opposite for the Raiders that we need to stop. So – get the run game going. Um, and then the defense has just got to basically keep the passing game under control and shut down Jacobs. Um, and those are the two keys is, is run game and the defense has got to show up. And I'm curious to see what you say about the Raiders. Cause in my opinion, it's the exact same thing. Yeah. And I think the, the key on our side, well, I mean, it's supposed to be six degrees. I think it said it's going to feel like negative 10 at kickoff. Yeah. Uh, Derek Carr, I think he's 0-7 in games that are under 20 degrees Fahrenheit. So not a good record for him. Um, I don't think we've seen Kenny play in weather like this before. It's supposed to be really windy, so I don't know. I think the weather is going to be – I don't know. It's going to be a factor at least for both sides. Um uh, and you guys have a great pass rush. Um, you have that Alex, and then you have Hayward up the middle, and then you have TJ Watt, obviously. So I think if the Raiders are going to win this game, they've gonna, they're going to have to do the quick pass game, uh, do a lot of those slants to the inside, and get Waller on, on releases up the middle, get Renfro involved on those quick ins, uh, or get to the stick and turn around, you know, plays like that I don't think we're going to have a lot of time to do a lot of those play action passes but yes the run game is going to be key Um, and we've had a real hard time the last couple games stopping the run so we can't let Najee get going because like I said if if the wind is a major factor I don't think Pickett or Carr are going to have a great game passing 
unless they're just doing well, those quick, quick passing games. One thing I want to add, and I, I think you guys are the same too, is to your point, I, you know, with the run game and the shitty weather, um, I think the tight ends, obviously Fryermuth for us. And then if you guys get Waller going, them short little safety routes for the, for the quarterbacks is going to be huge. Yep. Um, I mean, I know they're a big part of what we do, and I think that's something you guys will probably utilize as well. Um, I mean, cold weather games are fun. They may not be the exciting, you know, blowout scoreboards, but um, I don't know. That's, I guess that's the way I see it going for sure. So much in line with what my dad said, he, he predicted 15, 13. Um, I'm actually going 17, 13 for the Steelers um, just because like I said, I mean, cars put on paper that he can't play in the cold. He's already not playing super well even when he's playing at home in a dome. Uh, so adding elements to it where he's just been off in the passing game essentially all year. Uh, the only way I can see the Raiders really running away with this game is if they force turnovers. Um, they've been really good at not turning the football over. So if, if they're able to force a couple and Jacobs gets going, that's really the only path I see. Uh, I do think we have the edge at kicker. Um, I mean, Carlson, I think he got snubbed by not getting in the Pro Bowl. I, I think he's only missed one kick all year, and that's including extra points. So I don't know how he didn't get in. That's a different tangent. But I think if it comes down to the you know special teams units, I have more faith in ours than I do in yours. But I still think you guys will probably break a, a run because our run defense has been so awful and, and maybe just – that touchdown will put you guys over the top. So um, I, it, it kills me to say it, and obviously that's not what I'm hoping for, but I think the added right. juice of, of playing for Franco will probably play a small factor in it as well. So, Well, and that's in my, in my heart. <laughs> that's what I'm hoping for. Um, I mean, last week Jalen Warren and Najee both had touchdowns. The run game was, you know, moving. So, uh, I mean – perfect you know picture perfect scenario here is the run game just erupts and we put up you know 300 yards rushing with two running backs and i mean that would be you know the glorious day that i would hope for but um, yeah and i think i'm with you i think the, i think the weather is going to keep it pretty mundane we've got two guys that haven't played in like three weeks on our interior defensive line and you know that's when we really started to struggle so if we get billings back and the other oh Ah, his name was there and then it just slipped. But if we get both of those guys back, I could see us having a better day stopping the run. And, and if they can play, then maybe I would change my prediction. But it's been a, it's been a rough couple of the, of weeks, the last two weeks, just trying to stop the run. So, um, but the, the good news is for whoever wins this game, <laughs> they do have a chance at the playoffs still. It is very slight, yes. but I will say the scenarios, I think for both of us, is the Chargers or Dolphins, one of the two have to lose two of their next three. Yeah. Pats and Jets have to lose one of the next three, and then either, I guess whoever wins this game has to win the, the remaining two on their schedule to make the playoffs. So it is not likely, but it is a, a very slight possibility, and it keeps increasing. Like I said, I don't think the Raiders can win this one. Okay. I don't think they can win the next two after that either. So I guess if we, if we lose, yep. I'll be cheering for you guys. If, uh, Same. if we win, I hope you're, you're pulling this for us as well. But, um, 
There's not a lot of, of, I was just going to say, there's not a lot of other teams that I root for these days, but I will say when you're not playing us, I do, I do have a soft spot for the Raiders because of you. So yeah, yeah, if we we don't, the Jets are doing their, their duty right now. They're losing to the Jags 13 to three. So, (laughs) so you're telling me there's a chance, (laughs) but Jags have been upsetting some folks this year. I guess I should have done the playoffs. Playoffs? <laughs> You're talking about playoffs? But um, okay. So with that being said, it's I guess there's a couple. There's a couple of games I wanted to discuss with you from last week, and we don't need to go over all of them. Uh, but Cowboys and Jags. I don't know if you saw that one. Uh, Cowboys were up, I think, twenty-seven to ten at the half, and Jags came all the way back and and ran them off with the pick six in overtime. So that was a beautiful ending. And then Colts and Vikings. Holy hell. Did you see that? Uh, Okay. I don't want to take credit for this, but in the first quarter, I made a comment about Matt Ryan and blowing leads. Yeah. Obviously alluding to the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Um, It was a joke. It was offhand. Did I think this was going to happen? No. But (laughs) about that time, I would say the Colts slowed down a little bit. And then as the game went on, holy cow. It was almost predictable (laughs) because literally everything went perfect for the Colts in that first half. And it's like, you know, I don't know if the Vikings are going to come back all the way, but I think some things are going to start swinging their way. And then soon enough, they had... It was it was weird because the Colts were absolutely dominating, and then they had one oh, play yeah. get away from them, and then after that, it was like, oh no, are are we going to blow this? And then it just seemed I like they were playing know. on their heels the rest of the game. It was crazy. I feel like Matt Ryan, I don't know, something has happened in his life where karma has just like <laughs> hit him like a Mack truck. I'm just kidding. I'm sure he's a very wonderful person, but. To now have the worst um, comeback loss in the Super Bowl history and also um, NFL history is not a place that you want to be, especially as an NFL quarterback. Um, I mean, I'm with you. I thought the Vikings were going to make adjustments and come in and play better in the second half. I mean, yes, I kind of thought it was probably too far, um, too far gone at that point, but I didn't think it was going to end up being a blowout. Figured they'd come back and make a game of it, but my lord, that is frustrating if you're a Colts fan. Yeah, it was absolute insanity, and I don't want to put it all on uh, Ryan. I mean, it seemed like once the defense gave up that one touchdown, yeah, and once once the Colts gave up that one touchdown, it was like, oh no, they're just crapping down their legs, and it's like, you guys still need oh, to yeah. play. Both sides of the football kind of just were coasting at that point. And that's that's where I get so frustrated with, with Josh McDaniels is it, it seems like every time we get up, you know, 10, 14 points, he's just like, okay, that's good enough. We can just coast the rest of the game and, like, stops calling plays aggressively, just does the Craig Bowl, I, I, run three times I and punt. I have a whole thing with that. I despise ever being in a blowout win in the first half. I don't. Yeah. I hate when the other team's got zero and we're up by even a couple touchdowns. It just always makes me so leery because this stuff happens all the time. Uh, you know, well, the team comes out flat. 
I told my brother-in-law at halftime in the Raiders game, I said, well, if we, if we score again before you guys do, then we're going to lose this game for sure. And he's like, what? And I was like, I mean, we've blown seven or four 17 plus point games in four or four times already this season. That's the most in NFL history. So of course, Carr throws the pick six right coming right out of the half. I was like, okay, we're in it. We're good. But, you know, they still blew it and ended up taking that miracle play at the end. But it's fine. So speaking of playoffs, do you want – I've got my teams that I've got making the playoffs. Do you want to give yours after I give mine? How you want to do it? Yeah, go ahead. I Go okay. ahead. I have – yeah, go ahead. All right. So this is, you know, obviously with – three weeks left to go. Uh, so this is kind of a bit of a projection and, and who we're, we think we're, are going to make it from from each conference as the final seven uh, to make it into the playoffs. So in the NFC, we already have Eagles, Vikings, 49ers, and Cowboys. They all have locked a spot into the playoffs. Obviously, seeding is still being determined. Um, but of the other teams remaining in the hunt, I have the Bucks kind of just by default. I still think the the Panthers are the better team, but they definitely laid an egg against you guys last week. And so yeah. I think the Bucks will probably just by having a one game lead already in the in the standings will probably be the winner of that division yeah, yeah. and probably have a losing record going into the playoffs. Uh, I've got the Giants, which everyone had written off, especially in that Washington game. Everyone had them as favorites. Everyone was picking them to win. Giants mind. win it. Yeah, no, I, I had a good feeling about that, especially with Saquon getting feeling better. Uh, and I think a lot of people are losing the luster for, for Brian Dable, but I think he's a hell of a coach, and I think they're going to just keep fighting wow. right to the end for him. And then my surprise team in the NFC is the Detroit Lions. Your I think NFC they're just playing some great ball right now. Okay, you got all the same teams? All the same teams. Lions are kind of my Cinderella team. I would love for them to sneak in and just, like, hit at the, hit the next gear and just start blowing people up. Yep. Um, they've been in a lot of games, like, and they've been able to put up points. Like, Goff has been serviceable. They're not a he bad has. team. They're they're a better team than their, than their record. Well, and Ben Johnson and uh... – Dan Campbell, those guys have balls of steel. Campbell, man. <laughs> they they do not care at all. They're not afraid of going for any anything, trick no. plays, whatever. And it's it's sometimes maybe too much, but it's yeah. something you got to respect. Hey, your guys are fighting for you when you give them those opportunities. So, uh, exactly. okay, moving on to the AFC. Only the Bills and the it's Chiefs are locked in tough. right now. So we basically have to predict the the remaining five. Uh, I think the Titans win the AFC South. Everyone in the AFC South has a 500 or worse record. They're at seven and seven at the top of that conference. I still think they have the best team from from that conference, but yeah. I mean it's basically just because they have Derrick Henry. <laughs> and then I've got the Bengals. Yeah, I've got the Ravens, even though they're kind of like uh, backpedaling into the playoffs, but they do have one more win than the Dolphins and the Chargers, and both of those teams are 
obviously one game behind. I've got the Dolphins making it, and then my surprise team in the AFC is going to be the Jacksonville Jaguars, and they're definitely holding up their end right now in this Thursday night football game. We'll see if that holds out. If they do end up winning that, that's going to give them the tiebreaker with the Jets, and they'll have the same record. So that moves them up into the, rather than being in the hunt, I think they'll be the number seven at, at the current moment. So I think they, they've they been playing really good ball the way Trevor Lawrence is playing right now. They've got ETN. I agree. <laughs> I got to give Christian Kirk his props. I mean, I, I still don't year. think he's um, a number one receiver, but he's a number one receiver on the Jags. No, so. and I don't mean to blame him because it's not his fault, but they he he will forever be linked to destroying NFL contracts for life. <laughs> yes. Yes, um, <laughs> and it's not his fault. I mean, if your boss shows up and wants to give you a huge raise, you're going to take it. Uh, yeah. Um, whatever. To you, obviously, Bills and Chiefs are locked. Um, I have the Bengals taking the AFC North, unfortunately. Um, now, this is where it gets a little different for me. Okay. I have the Jags actually finishing strong and the Titans falling flat. I have the Jags taking the division. Oh. Yep, you're right. Yes, sir. That would make yes, flip mine. Sorry, I still have the Titans making the okay. playoffs, but I meant Jags to win it. Sorry. Okay, okay. So I got the Jags coming in to take the division, which I love. Um, I, I made the comment in the off season when we talked, and even on here, that there was something different about the Jaguars. I I know they weren't going to show up and you know go on a twelve win season, but there's something different there. They finally have turned things around. Um, I mean, obviously coaching has a lot to do with that. You actually have players that believe in their coaching staff and we've talked about all that, but so super pumped for them. I unfortunately am with you. I have the Ravens going into the playoffs as well. Um, then I have the dolphins and I actually still have the Chargers sneaking in and I have the Titans missing the playoffs and I think it'll lead to a lot of change in Tennessee. Um, looking back at that, I, I feel like tennis. Sorry, go ahead. No, looking back at that, I probably didn't have Titans making it, but I was looking at current standings and forgot that they are well, currently in the lead, but I have the Jags taking over. So I don't think they'll make it. The one ac- thing, actually, the one thing I want to say for the Titans, and it's probably hard to hear for Titans fans. I mean, no one ever wants to hear that they're rebuilding or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And the Titans have been the top of the division, granted, kind of a terrible division. I think them missing the playoffs is actually a very good thing for this team. Um, a, yes, next season has a pretty um, pretty solid draft. I think they can move on from Tannehill. And I actually like Tannehill, but I don't think he's the answer in Tennessee. Um, and I, I think this gives Tennessee a chance to get younger and, um, you know, kind of reevaluate. And when you're in the AFC South, you can do this and still be competitive. It's not like one of these divisions where if you're rebuilding, I mean, you're basically out of it. You know, Unless you have a 10 Houston. plus win. Yeah. They're Unless perpetually out of it. But you, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you don't have a 10 win team in this division basically ever anymore. Um, this division's kind of always been this way. I shouldn't say always, um, recently. It's definitely been the one with the most parity. I think out of all, right, right, right. Maybe the NFC East, but they're usually at least good. So yeah. Yeah. And, and their NFC East is, it's got a different feel. Like 
Not to beat them up. The AFC South, like you watch their games sometimes, and it's like, my God, these teams are awful. Yep. I think some of that's changing. Um, as far as the NFC East, it's it's a battle. You know, it's it's kind of like AFC North games. We don't always have the flashiest games, but they are just a bloodbath. Every every division game is just rough. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of where I I see it going. And I guess my big surprise. Cinderella on the AFC side is Jacksonville. And I would love, I would love for the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Detroit Lions to go into the playoffs. And I'm not saying they're going to go to the Super Bowl, but I would love for them to come in and win their first game and just disrupt everything going on in the playoffs. I've got to get a give a hat tip to Mo Moten because at the start of the season, before anything happened, he said his his uh dark horse teams were Lions and the NFC and Jags in the AFC, and it it's definitely Jack turned out the way. AFC one. Dude is. That's why his next name is Mostradamus. So, <laughs> while uh, while you're giving props to him, I do have to say that he is. Um, I don't I don't know how to put this. He is. Uh, he's he's one of the more intellectual people that post things. Like I I, I thoroughly enjoy. I would say ninety nine percent of his posts. Um, yeah. He just, he's got a good head on his shoulders. He calls it as he sees it. Um, you know, I honestly didn't pay attention to him until, you know, you showed him to me. Um, but again, while you're giving him props, I just wanted to say like, he's, he, he's a, he's a good person as far as, you know, like Twitter and things like that. Cause some people get like Pittsburgh has Mark Madden. I don't know if you've ever seen his nonsense. Um, he's I an absolute not. idiot. Um, but anyways, <laughs> now Moses stud, and he, he obviously doesn't yeah. just write for Raiders stories. I mean, he covers for sports, right. and Odyssey and I mean, he's all over the place. So he writes mostly for the Raiders, but he does do quite a few like, um, whole league pieces and, and specials on certain teams and whatnot. So yeah, he, he does great work and I love hearing him and, and Scott Gobranson on silver and black today. Listen to that every time they put one out. So. Props to those guys. Um, with that being said, I think there was just a couple notes I had to finish up the NFL, and that is um, we keep hearing all this noise about Odell Beckham. Um, Jerry Jones recently said that they're he's expecting them or expecting OBJ to join the team, whether that's you know in the next couple weeks or for a playoff run. But do you think it even matters at this point? So I'm always torn on this. So um, in my opinion, someone bringing in an OBJ, I wouldn't even bother till playoffs anyways. Uh, I mean, maybe you bring him in a couple weeks early to get reps in and practice and things like that. I wouldn't even bother playing him until you're in and yeah. the games matter again. Um, with that being said, though, I hate bringing in players that have not seen game time. I don't care. Look at Deshaun Watson. I don't care how talented you are. I don't care how physically gifted you are. When you miss that much time, um, it's hard to come back and be game speed. We see yeah. it all the time. I, I don't care how good you are. I don't care who, even Tom Brady. Um, when he missed his whole season, it took him a good chunk of that year to get going again. Um, granted, obviously it finished well for them, but yeah. my point is, is it's just, there's rust. And, I don't, I don't mean to kick him when he's down, but 
I don't trust that leg any, I don't trust that knee anymore. Um, I would not even be surprised if he comes back in and it, he, he does something to it again. Yeah. And that's, that's the thing that, that scares works. you is when you go from not playing at all to live games. I mean, there's nothing that prepares you for those live bullets. No. I mean, even practicing with your team, whatever, it's not really real until you get into a regular season or playoff game. Exactly. Uh, you can't simulate the speed ever in practice or even in the, the exhibition games. So um, it'll be interesting to see if he can make a help them make a playoff push. I know they did sign T.Y. Hilton. Um, I thought he was retired, but apparently not. He was just yeah, waiting for the right opportunity. So we'll see how he does getting <laughs> back up to game speed. He was always a huge weapon for the Colts for for the longest yeah, time so we'll see games. if he has anything left in the tank but and then your guy matt stafford announced that he will return for 2023 um yeah. you think that excites the rams or <laughs> i don't even know at this point i think having this much time off and being able to get healthy um if he can come in and hit the off season in stride I think it's absolutely a good thing for the Rams. And I also think kind of like I was talking about with the Titans, you know, as far as it being a good thing, I think the Rams had a hangover from the Super Bowl so bad this year. It's like they, it, it, it's like they just never showed up this season. Um, I mean, losing Whitworth on the line was a big deal. Obviously that line never looked the same this season, but everyone, everybody on that team and Stafford had the elbow, but, Everyone came out flat. I mean, everybody came out flat. Um, it was I've a never, weird I mean, season. It was. I mean, but they... to my point. Oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Finish up. Um, I was just going to say, I think it's a good thing for the Rams. If you can bring Stafford back and you can take this offseason and really analyze what happened, um, you know, maybe – you know, maybe you get some better picks, you make some moves, whatever, blah, blah, blah. You know, you had a bad season. Um, I think they come out of this stronger, personally. I think Stafford still has plenty of arm left, um, as long as he's healthy, obviously. Um, in the end, I, I, I think he comes back, and I think the Rams are a, a good team again next season. Yeah, and I, well, I should have mentioned earlier, I think if the Titans end up on the outside of the playoffs – I would be very interested to see if Mike Vrabel stays around, especially with his eyes on Ohio State, possibly. That's, I mean, that was his yeah, alma mater. About that. That's where he's from. So that's what would scare me about Titans, especially when they make a move from the GM. And I don't know what kind of relationship Vrabel had with, with that GM that they let go. Uh, but it sounds like the owner is starting to get a lot more involved in the day-to-day -day stuff. So that's usually not good. Uh, if you have them meddling in team decisions and things <laughs> like that. So that would be the one thing that scares me about them having a bad season. And the Rams, I'm quite on the opposite side of you. I think this has been in the works for, for quite some time with them continuing to trade away all those draft picks and signing the big-time free agents or trading for. I think this is what comes of that at the other end. I mean, obviously, they got their Super Bowl championship. They've been very competitive for the last five seasons. But 
they have the cornerstones of Jalen Ramsey, Aaron Donald, and then, like you mentioned, Matt Stafford. But if yep. Matt Stafford's arm's not 100%, then I don't think he's a real asset. Uh, Aaron Donald is obviously great, but he's 33 now, I think. Uh, so you wonder how many seasons he has left, and he keeps talking about retirement. So that's going to minimize his trade value as well if you're looking at maybe offloading him to get some picks. You don't want to give away a franchise-type cornerback because those guys don't just grow on trees. But Jalen Ramsey would, at this point, probably bring in the most draft capital. But I feel like they're going to take – they're probably going to be looking at the same type of record next year if it were my guess. Because if you stand pat, uh... you have the same team because you don't have draft picks to to bolster the roster – you don't have a ton of cap space to bolster sure. the roster. So, like, for for me, it looks like you either have to offload a, an Aaron Donald, a Jalen Ramsey to get draft capital and make changes, but that's obviously going to make your team worse immediately, but building right. for the future. If you just continue the course, it's just going to continue to get worse as these guys age out. So, I don't know. I think they're at a crossroads right now, and it really scares me for the direction of the team because – I think this is just a, a preface of what it could be if if they continue the course, and that's why I think they were maybe hoping that Stafford would retire, then they have relief of the, the salary cap for, from that contract. But I, uh, I still like all the talent on that team, but to your point, if they are you know, circling the drain towards the trade deadline, I would agree with you. I think it would be time to fire sale and – because if you're at that point next season, you know, at the trade deadline, you're still playing terrible. Um, well, I, I don't think they have a first-round draft pick up. until 2026 at this point. Yeah. It's either 2025, but 2026. That's the point so. is, is if that deadline hits, I, move Ramsey, move Donald, move them all. See, and that's the thing. I, I mean, you, you've gotten a Super Bowl out of them. I think Donald has a no trade clause, so he could even control. He could just say, and honestly, even if he doesn't, he could just say, "Well, if you trade me, I'm going to retire." So, yeah, then that deal would be voided. So I don't know, man. It's it's kind of weird. He needs to come back. He needs to come back to Pittsburgh, and him and Hayward can be on the same line together. Um, anyways, Benny, this podcast is brought to you by Pacifico. Oh dang! I didn't know we had sponsors. We don't, but maybe one day. (laughs) All right. So, And then just the last note I had in here for the NFL is Mike White kind of uh, took over that job in New York from Zach Wilson. Obviously, he got the serious rib injury, and that's why he's not playing tonight. He didn't play last week, and so the starting job went back to Zach Wilson. But he is a free agent after this, this season. So I don't think... The Jets will bring him back because that'll be a distraction from their quote-unquote franchise quarterback of Zach Wilson. And do you think, with what he put on pay, or on the, the tape, do you think a team that's needing a quarterback goes out there and gets him? Absolutely. Take. Uh... So here's my thing, I guess, depending on where you're at in the draft and stuff. But, I mean, you take a team like Atlanta, who really doesn't have anyone, um, well, there's we'll plenty see. of teams they got that could use someone like that. They have Ritter, but do you, I'm not confident he's ready to rock next year. 
I'm really I think not. he will be ready so to at least give him the reins, but for sure you want to have a veteran. But I think Mike White's going to want to start. So, Well, I think he'll start. I think you sign him to a one, two-year deal kind of thing. And then if Ritter comes along, you got to limp him along. I don't think Ritter's ready. I really don't. Um, it's one thing he to was come my favorite quarterback. It's, I, know. I like draft. him. I mean, I like a lot about him, but, um, you know, it, there's Atlanta. Um, if Tennessee moved on from Tannehill, oh, yep. never mind. Sorry, I forgot they have, have, they have Malik. Like, yeah. Um, Malik. Uh, but there's still, there's a handful of teams out there that could use something. You know where um, I like him to go? Where? Carolina Panthers. Who knows what they'll do at quarterback? A lot of it depends on where they where these teams end up and who they draft. Because for sure, know, supposed heavy heavy quarterback draft. Um, but even I mean, say something crazy happens and the Bucks, you know, Tom Brady retires after this horrible season and his life's well, gone to hell. Um, either way, I think he's leaving Tampa Bay. I don't think. Yeah. I don't think he'll re-sign with them, so they'll need a quarterback. I mean, there's to my point. There's a lot of teams that I think could take a if you felt like he could improve your chances cheaper. Even there's a lot of teams that could move on from their quarterbacks. Um, Carolina, New Orleans. So, Atlanta, so you're saying the uh, NFC South is where Mike White ends up? <laughs> I'm just saying if you're he literally if mentioned you were a, every single a one conference of them. or a, if you were a division <laughs> like that. I just no. feel like you probably need to shake it up a little bit. But, yeah. yes, I mean, if you're a struggling team, I mean, hell, I I feel bad for the Jets because if you let him walk and this, you know, temper tantrum Zach Wilson, you know, he's he's not a team player, obviously. He's, he's made that clear in his, in his uh, post-game, you know, chats and whatnot but i just feel bad for the jets if you let mike white walk and then zach wilson doesn't work out yeah and that's he came in and made you guys competitive i mean they were competitive in this division and still technically are um well i guess probably not after tonight it makes it a little tougher but yeah um i don't know like i would be pissed if i was a jets fan and they let him walk and that's the, I mean, that's the other portion is a lot of these teams are, are getting a lot less um, scared to move on from their first round quarterbacks. Um, we've seen, you know, some guys, some teams pull the plug pretty quick. So maybe they hang on to Mike White and, and get rid of Zach Wilson. Um, I saw a couple memes the other day that were not very kind to Zach Wilson. He was being care- compared to he who must not be mentioned in Jalarn Ass Russell. So, um, in fact, in wow. fact, their career numbers through twenty games are like identical. So really similar. Yeah, I think obviously Zach I- Wilson has better legs, so his rushing stats are a lot higher. But passing was literally like within percentage points on, on I, everything. My thing with these young quarterbacks is I can put up with a ton. I can put up with bad games. I can put up with growing pains. Um, I mean, I'll use Kenny Pickett as an example. He's grown week to week. Um, Lawrence, you oh, could man. see there was something there, but he had the right attitude. He was there for the team. He did the right things. 
Were the games there early on? No, hell no. They had horrible games. But the one thing that I cannot handle is a fresh face, a young quarterback coming in to be the face of the franchise, lead the team, is to act as ridiculous as he has through these moments in this season. Um, you don't even have to meet him. I get it. Like, you're pissed off, you're upset, but you have to say the right things in these news conferences. Like, it just – it has to be done. It sends the wrong message to your teammates, to your fans, to your coaches. Like, I just – I will never understand some of the things these young kids say in these interviews, and then it's like, well, why is everybody freaking out? I just – I well, can take struggles. I can take growing pains. I cannot handle that nonsense. Yeah, and I guess to be fair to him, he did go from BYU where they're essentially treated as the second coming of Christ to the New York media and hasn't made any friends in that media room. So, like, I I know the whole backstory to it was that he reacted the way he did because he doesn't like the guy that asked the question, but you still have to have those leadership qualities to say... Even if you don't want to answer the question, just say, yep, it's on me. I, I messed up. I, I didn't play well enough. Uh, and leave it at that. If that's all you want to say, just don't say, I didn't let my teammates down by only scoring three points. I, uh, I, I understand what you're saying about the BYU comment, and you're, you're not wrong. But I refuse to believe that the draft process, I refuse to believe um, even early on training camp, uh, his first season, like, you had this this kind of press junket obstacles to go through. Um, so I, re, I refuse to believe that somebody who wasn't in his ear, be it agent, be it whatever, you know, like your job, you are paid to put up points to win games. And when you, you – your defense kept you in that game all game and you still lost it and then you're like, no, I'm good. Yeah. No, sir. <laughs> well, Absolutely. I don't know how much growing up people do at BYU either because it's kind of fantasy land there in Provo. So I, I don't want to hold it all against him, but yeah, yeah. he's got to be trained better to, I mean, you know, being the, the quarterback of one of the 32 NFL teams, you're going to have a camera in front of your face at all times and you need to know what to say, when to say it and how to say it. And and maybe that's on the Jets for not getting him prepared for their media market because it is an absolute brutal media market to to go through. It's I mean the lights. It's it's called the city that never sleeps right, for, for sure. a reason. So, like I said, I just want to be fair to him, but at the same time, it it's definitely on him why he wasn't ready. And now it's going to be a season of growing up or an off season of growing up for him. And maybe the jets bring back Mike white, or I think there's tons of teams that would be lucky to have that guy. And you saw how the team responded to him when he was, when he was playing for them. So, uh, I think that's all I had NFL wise. That said a lot for me too. Yes. Um, NBA, (laughs) I almost don't even want to talk about it because of how bad the Warriors are doing. So, but anyway, Steph got hurt. He's out two weeks to possibly two months. That was the range that was given. I don't think he'll be out quite that long, but the team has been hovering around 500 all season. They can't win on the road, and that's obviously very troubling. Um, and the further they get out of the running for the playoffs, it scares me that it's going to be time for them to blow up the roster. 
and I don't know what that means. I don't know if I don't know if that means they get rid of a Clay, if they get rid of a Draymond. I think Draymond's already on his way out, so it wouldn't surprise me to see say, him I, traded. I know where I'd start. Yeah, but I mean, Clay has been an absolute shell of his former self, so. Yeah. I don't want to see him go because I still think he can work his way back into being the not the player he was before, but a solid contributor. But where he's getting paid versus what he's giving them on the floor is definitely not. They're not getting their money's worth. Uh, and where they're already paying so much in the luxury tax, I think he would be a contract that they maybe look to move. They'd probably have to bundle a pick with him at this point, which is sad because he's an NBA champion, absolute pillar of a franchise at one point. But I, that's what I'm looking. I don't, I don't want to say I'm looking forward to, but I am nervously approaching the trade deadline, just kind of trying to see what they're going to do. And I know. And I was just going to say, let's be honest. You've had an amazing run. So if, it is time to hit the reset button a little bit. I mean, obviously you still have Steph. You're going to be competitive to a degree. Um, let me just say, I don't feel bad for you. Yeah. <laughs> just it, kidding. It's tough to feel but, bad for them. I, mean, I mean, you guys are in a good place. Yeah. And that's, that's what I wanted to say is like, if we do a blow up, it's not going to be, you know, a lengthy rebuild or anything like that. We already have the, well, the, the future pillars of the franchise. Right. And I mean, we're hanging on to the past, of um you know the the initial core but i think that's very short-lived at this point um yeah and yeah i that's that's what i'm looking forward to in in this uh, in this nba season is just what happens with the warriors it seems like i mean like we've talked about so many times you don't need to be the number one seed you just need a, a chance to get in to make some damage or to do some damage in the season or in the playoffs and if they can get these young guys in and playing and, and get them into a playoff berth, then maybe the, the other guys get healthy and, and they make a playoff push. Uh, but it wouldn't surprise me if we see them move on from Draymond because a lot of these rookies, with the playing time they're getting, are not progressing the way that I think the Warriors front office was hoping yeah. they would. Moody, Kaminga, I mean, those guys have not been very uh, reliable, so to speak. So... That's that's all I'll say with the Warriors, and then if you want to go into your your uh, Magic and then Penguins, and then I've just got a couple notes on Major League Baseball as well at the end. Um, so as far as sports that are you know going on right now outside of football, um, basketball and hockey have been very good to me this these last couple weeks. I'll start with the Magic, um, kind of different from your team all young guys, all of them are getting tons of playing time. Um, our bench is getting tons of playing time and it's working. Um, the, the season started off a little rough. We lost a lot of one, two point games. We were in games and then we, you know, last couple minutes to get out of hand. Um, and then all of a sudden things started clicking. The magic have won seven out of the last eight. Um, and the one loss to the, to the Hawks was absolute joke. They came back on a 13-0 run at the end of that game to go up by one. And um, and it ended with a foul. I can't remember who shot the ball for the Hawks, but um, absolutely not a foul. Like, he, even in the replay, he barely touched him like fingertips. 
and they called a foul and then he shoots free throws and we end up losing with 1.9 seconds, you know? Um, so it could have been an eight game run, but regardless, I couldn't be prouder of them. A lot of these young guys have just been unreal. Uh, Banchero's playing out of his mind, Suggs, um, Harris, a bunch of these, a bunch of these young guys. It's cool seeing a team that, I mean, I mean, I guess Banchero's number one overall pick. So, I mean, he's a name, he's a big name, I guess, but there's really not any superstars on this team yet, or at least not proven superstars. So it's fun seeing them starting to gel and, uh, you know, put a string of games in. So hopefully they can make something out of the season, at least get some growth in there. I love that um, guy. And he's in some pretty rare company when it comes to the stats he's putting up in his rookie season. Yeah. So a lot of the people were questioning he's, he's if he should have good. been the number one overall pick. Everybody and he seemed was. to have I mean, answered the question. So, Yes, sir. And uh, like I was saying, it's been a good couple weeks. And then for the Penguins, we've actually won eight out of the last ten. Same thing. We kind of had a rough start to the season. And, uh, I mean, a lot, of, a lot of the press had counted us out already. And uh, we put up a shit ton of points these last couple weeks. And then most importantly, this guy is unreal, man. He, he leads the, the league sometimes, but our team for sure in ice time, he's putting in 35, 36 minutes a game. Um, but the last time I was on, I think it was the last time I talked about Chris Letang having um, his second stroke. Um, and he's my age. He's 35. But, uh, I mean, he was out about a week and a half, two weeks, and – hit practice again and now he's back on the ice and he's had it's insane. a couple of amazing games. He did the same thing last time too. He's just, he's a trooper, man. And the penguins for me are kind of like your golden state. You know, we have our tripod that have been together for 17 seasons now. Um, and yeah, we're definitely holding on to it. I mean, I, I won't deny that, that we're holding on to the past, keeping them, but until they show me somebody that can play in one of those spots better than them, I'm good with it. Um, you know, I've been spoiled having those three, you know, being a Penguins fan for 17 years. It's just absolutely spoiled. It's it's just like you guys and and, and Golden State. So, um, but bigger than hockey, I'm just so happy to see him healthy, whether it's on the ice or not. So for sure, um, hopefully both both teams can keep these runs going. Yeah, that's big. And we won't mention my Sharks because they started <laughs> terribly and have continued to play terribly. So yeah, <laughs> that was kind of expected yeah, yeah. with with the team that they put out there last season. Uh, pretty, I think we're getting pretty young, so kind of expected to have some, Definitely. some bumps in the road along the way. But um, I did want to mention just a couple notes from around MLB, and that is Trevor Bauer was reinstated from the – he was uh i don't even know what to call it i don't know the suspended list i guess um yeah the, they the essentially naughty list he, yeah the naughty list they essentially reduced his punishment by half or so so he's immediately reinstated and will be eligible to rejoin the dodgers um for spring training i don't know what the dodgers are going to do i know he's kind of been a distraction but it seems like the, the girl that accused him of all this stuff um, fabricated a lot of it and even took a video of her sleeping next to him and did a winky face and put that out after all this stuff surfaced. So it seems like, yeah, anyway. 
things didn't get prosecuted and MLB suspended him to kind of save face. So I, I think him coming back is at least maybe a good thing. I don't know. You don't want to see a guy's career taken away for, for false accusations. So if that was the case, then I guess it's good that he gets back. So, And then lastly, Carlos Correa signed with the San Francisco Giants. He was set to be introduced on Tuesday, had his whole family there in San Francisco, and San Francisco said, whoa, 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 let's let's go ahead and postpone this press conference. We, we saw something in the physical that we didn't like, so we're going to need some time to look over this and, and get on the same page with our doctors and your agent. Uh, Boris is his agent and essentially said, you guys have until one to to get me back or, you know, a redrawn offer or whatever, I'm going to take it back on the market. Uh, the Giants never got back to Scott Boris, so he called Steve Cohen, which was initially interested in Carlos Correa, and Steve Cohen said, I will do it for 12 years and 315 mil. Uh, obviously, yeah. he's going through a physical in New York right now, so that should probably be finalized soon. And the the whole injury that they were flagging as suspicious was from 2014. It was before he ever played a Major League Baseball game. Yeah, that's weird. So it seemed like <clears throat> the Giants had some buyer's remorse and heard a lot of people saying, you guys gave him way too much money and for 13 years is insane. And it felt like they, they kind of got cold feet and wanted to back out of the deal, and that was their excuse to do so. <laughs> and Uncle Stevie, I mean, he came in and gave the money out. His payroll for the Mets, as it stands right now, for opening day will be three hundred and eighty plus million, which is going to blow away the Dodgers by I think forty million, fifty oh, yeah. million for the Dodgers for the most ever. And that means he's going to be spending $110 million plus just on a luxury tax, which is more than seven teams, both of ours included, spent on their entire payroll. So, it's depressing to even think about. Well, it is, but I think, so you know the luxury tax money, that all goes to the revenue sharing, which goes back to the poorest teams, quote-unquote, um, in the small markets. And I think one thing that would absolutely help, we've talked about this many times, is the payroll floor. To have a salary cap floor where you have to meet the minimum threshold or you get penalized. And essentially, if you don't put it into the roster, you have to pay it back in in the revenue sharing or whatever. And I think every penny that these owners receive from revenue sharing should should be mandated to go into the roster. It shouldn't be able to get funneled into projects it shouldn't be able to be funneled into their pocket anything like that if it's coming from another major league owner yes it should absolutely go into their roster and that's the frustrating thing and i will give the a's some credit i mean they have made a couple signings they signed trevor may to a one-year deal um they've made a couple signings of utility guys on the infield outfield uh they made a couple trades which we already talked about i think Sean Murphy uh, got traded to the Braves for quite a few, well, Braves and Brewers for six prospects. Uh, Two of those are projected to start on the opening day roster. Uh, But, I mean, I I still think the A's at the end of the day will be under 60 million, and that's probably even being optimistic on their spending. 
with the additions and then once they get through all the arbitration hearings and all that stuff they usually don't go to arbitration they usually settle with with their players uh so i would expect the opening day roster to be less than 60 million for payroll probably closer to 40 like they were last year so if they continue to add players and and look to compete in this in this upcoming season i'll be happy but I absolutely love seeing Steve Cohen come in here and just blow up what other owners are willing to do because there's guys that, you know, they essentially made that invisible barrier of the luxury tax and there's teams that will not go above it. And he said, oh, this this barrier here, I don't care. I mean, I'm going to make billions of dollars <laughs> in my other ventures. I don't need to make money on, yeah. my, on my baseball team. I want to see this team win now. And we need more owners like that. So... Like like we've talked about so many times, I hope this inspires other teams to say, well, if we're not willing to do it, we're not going to be able to compete. And spending the most mm-hmm. on your, your roster is not always the best way to win. I mean, the Yankees did it for so long and only got, you know, one or two championships. But it's, it's definitely going to make you competitive. You're going to be in the playoffs with the roster that they're going to run out there on opening day. So uh, anything sure. you have to add Pirates-wise? I know you guys made a couple moves, but... Uh, basically nothing the same major. thing. I mean, it, nothing that's going to, you know, nothing to write home about a lot of, uh, a lot of one-year contracts. Um, yeah. like you said, utility guys, there's a lot of people that for some reason, we just love signing people that we can play at five different positions rather than bringing in somebody like, uh, I don't know, a first baseman. Um, but yeah, well, the A's, the A's missed out on Aaron judge. So next year, uh, Shohei Otani is going to be a free agent, so I expect them to be heavily involved in that conversation. So he's already got an A on his hat. I mean, it would be an easy transition. So exactly, get out of that damn green, nasty better, red, sure. and get into the green and gold. <laughs> All right. Well, with that being said, we do want to wish you guys a happy holiday, Merry Christmas, all that fun stuff, whatever you Definitely. guys celebrate in. Uh, stay safe, stay warm, especially you, Kyle, up there in the fr- frozen Served. tundra. And we'll we'll get you guys after Christmas. So we hope you guys enjoy your family time. Uh, make sure you you touch base with those that are missing a loved one at this time of year. I know it can be difficult for for this time of year for a lot of people. So, um, That's with nice. that being said, we do appreciate you guys joining in. Always appreciate the comments. Love to feature those on here. So keep that up, and we will catch you after the holidays.